0: Broadcasting to you live from the Milky Way galaxy, the solar system, planet Earth, North America, the
1: United States of America. Ohio. What a great time to be alive, isn't it?
0: What a great time to be alive. It's victory Monday. How incredible does a victory Monday feel against an undefeated team, a formerly undefeated team mind you all right we've tested the levels this appears to be working hi everybody my name is brian engelman this is the unhappy hour we're happy today we are happy today so if you're watching this on the stream for the new american media we do content for the unhappy hour sports show and if you normally tune in and checking out the Day's news, the latest events, the current happenings, um, this will not be that show. This will be pretty much just talking about the Cleveland Browns' uh, victory over the San Francisco 49ers, 19-17 to 17 yesterday. So, you know, if, if this isn't your cup of tea, we'll see you during the next episode of the Agree to Disagree show or with some of the original content that we'll be putting out. Uh, but I appreciate every one of you who participates in this process and follows the new American media because the old American media has failed. And, you know, I, I used to watch the I used to watch ESPN and, um, you know, just just kind of disappointed, disappointed in the, the, the quality of Brown's coverage, the quality or lack thereof. of you know, of the coverage that we have. And so I want to provide some of my own. If you want to join the show, I put the link in the Facebook group. Um, so there's a link for restream. And then you should, if you click the button and follow the directions, you can be a guest. So put it on the side there and I'll try to bring you into the show and we can talk about some sports. So, The game kicked off yesterday with a scuffle of Williams on the 49ers, definitely in the middle of it. I saw in the pregame, Jimmy Johnson, Coach Johnson, was saying, You know, that's the last thing you want to do if you're the Browns. You do not want to wake the sleeping bear. This is a trap game. You know, this is an undefeated team. You don't need to kind of remind them that you could lose any given Sunday in the National Football League. Well, guess what? We came out to play. And we started off kind of the worst way that you could we spotted the 49ers seven points we spotted them 10 points really that's that's not what pj walker uh that's not a recipe for success per se that would that that that, that's not how you draw it up during the week but before the game even started like i said there was that scuffle which was interesting I'd like to maybe break that down and figure out exactly who started that. And, you know, was it just a bunch of jawing at each other? Nobody got suspended. Nobody did anything egregious, right? But I didn't even catch that at the game. I didn't even quite notice that. I'm not sure how far before tip off that occurred, but um, then the game started with Phil Dawson. So prior to the game, as things are ramping up and uh, you know, they like to bring in a sports legend to bring up a guitar and smash it on the speaker. You know, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame City and whatnot. Phil Dawson. Phil Dawson was a Browns legend. He was a very consistent clutch kicker, place kicker for the Browns, and he actually later went on to play for the 49ers as well. Actually, I'm kind of curious. Um, let's see his entire playing career. Phil Dawson. uh what Phil Dawson teams. All right, so from 1999 to 2012 played for Cleveland and then 2013 to 16 in San Francisco. So that was kind of cool that he got to come out and play or well you know he kind of set the game off and got things started because he played for both teams and that was pretty cool and you just had this feeling you had this feeling that it was going to come down to a kick. You had Phil Dawson there. It was both the teams he played for. Of course it's going to come down to a kick. And Dustin Hopkins missed a kick, and so did Jake Moody. It's like, ah, oh, we could have had that. Mm, is this going to be the one? Is this going to come back and – is this going to be the reason why we, we can't win this game because of a kick? Well, then they missed a kick. It's just it, – it's so interesting. I've I've been to so many of these games that turn out differently – I was in Jokeland, and it was a game that we won on a last-second field goal as time was expiring. But wait, there was a flag. Wait, there was a flag. Then they had to re-kick, and it got blocked, I think. And that stadium went from silent to the loudest. It's so loud. Up Back when they used to play in Oakland, the fans, Raiders, Raiders. Oh, that whole stadium. It took an hour to get out of there and everybody. It was silent. Oh, I loved the silence. And it just turned on a dime. Missed a kick, lost the game. Heartbreaking. Snatched defeat from the jaws of victory. But that was not going to happen today. Uh, yesterday for the Cleveland Browns, who improve on the season, by the way, to three and two, right in
1: the thick of the playoff race, right in the thick of it. Right, I mean, right there. Each game is so critical in the standings. Every game counts. There's a lot
0: of good teams out there. But look, both of the undefeated teams went down. Maybe there is some parity in the league. You know, at the end of the game, Jake Moody has a chance to kick a field goal to win it, and he missed it wide right. But, like, I want to add something after watching some of the replays. It wasn't just that Jake Moody missed. Well, that was his second miss. Rookie kicker out of that team up north is where he came from. It wasn't just that Moody missed his field goal. It was that uh, I believe it was Denzel Ward came off the right side. Oh, my gosh. He got right back there, extended out. He had to have, if he didn't, I didn't see him clip the ball or touch the ball. But he was right in that space. I wonder how much of that affected that kick. It wasn't just he kicked it up there and the wind got a hold of it and shanked it somewhere. I think our defense, our special teams, our defensive, what do you call it, Uh, kick, uh, field goal special teams unit. Bravo to them. Bravo. Um, You know, I've I've had conversations with people definitely in the past day, definitely in the past couple days, definitely in the past couple of years. And I said, look, Jacoby Brissett played well enough. If, if we wouldn't have brought Watson in last year to make the playoffs, we could have made the playoffs last year. If we had decent special teams and decent defense, not saying we have to be lights out, perhaps the best in the league. The Browns defense right now is a monster and just ask Trent Dilfer about that. He won a Super Bowl with the Ravens. It wasn't because of Trent Dilfer, it was because of that defense. This defense is that good. We took the 49ers down. But, you know, there's a difference between a miss and a forced miss. That was the, I'm going I'm going to definitely credit the the defense uh the, the special teams unit right there. Got to give them a
1: game ball. Of course, the Browns defense gets a game ball. But being in that stadium, being on the
0: other side of all those heartbreaking losses, it was just so different to celebrate, to get the win that they're like right at the end of the previously undefeated team. The Niners are a legitimate Super Bowl contending team. They were being talked about as the best team in football. And look, the Browns, they were starting to get national recognition as well. Maybe after that, that uh, victory on the Titans. That was the best game Deshaun Watson's played in a Cleveland Browns jersey. Then, of course, he was injured in that game. Hasn't played since. You know, kind of got rocked by the Ravens. I saw better play calling this time around. Some of those end-around plays. Uh, What was it, Elijah Moore? Oh, I like that play on the Browns' first touchdown. It was that Harrison Bryant, you know, taking the direct snap, trying to do the the tush push or whatever they're calling it. The Eagles, the Philly Phil—I don't know what you're, what they're calling it. The the Jalen Hurts, everybody pushes like a rugby scrum. But seeing that on tape so many times, then they prepare for it and think they know what they're getting, and that turned into a, to a pitch over to Kareem Hunt, who rumbled, bumbled, stumbled into the end zone for a touchdown. I loved watching Kareem Hunt. He was playing with um, some fire, some some tenacity.
1: And really, the one-two punch, the one-two punch between them, the two runs with Ford. it was nice to
0: watch. Now it wasn't Nick Chubb. <laughs> you know that's not what we're talking about here. But having Jerome Ford and having Kareem Hunt in there was was pretty nice. It got the job done. You know, and there's people that, that'll that say, um, well, you know, Christian McCaffrey got injured. and There were a few injuries for the 49ers. You're like, yeah, and? The Browns are down the starting quarterback, the starting running back, and two pro offensive linemen. Around here, you like to keep things simple? Turn nice. listen. No.
1: That's why I have progressive with other companies, even if they're lower than us. So you can choose what's best for your
0: family. Okay, it's on the ESPN app. Jeez.
1: Thank you, progressive. Doggone it, I gave you an extra mention. Yeah, so here we go.
0: Jerome Ford. I mean, he kind of got it going later in the game. 84 yards on 17 carries. 4.9 average. Cream Hunt. Put in another 47 yards, 3.9 average. Goodwin. I think Goodwin had the end around, actually. I, I think I falsely uh, I misattributed that to Elijah Moore. Oh, man, the extension of Denz, uh, Denzel Ward there on that missed kick. They're just showing it in the bottom corner. What a great play. Yeah, Christian McCaffrey was looking unstoppable before he got injured. But, you know, s- spare me the... the Spare me the tears, would you? Spare me the tears. We were playing this game with our hand. You know, and it looked like from the first quarter on, the, you know, maybe second quarter on, but like most of the game, the 49ers were playing. They were, I got the sense and I said it, that they were playing scared of the Browns. Rightfully so. This is a scary defense. They said in the past 50 years, no team has allowed fewer yards, uh, just over 1,000 yards in five straight games uh, combined. That, that, that hasn't happened in 50 years. In the modern era, it's just not a thing. But yeah, I like the end-around
1: end plays. I liked Harrison Bryant chucking it to um, Kareem Hunt for that touchdown. And and I've re- I just it seemed like Coach Stefanski and Van Pelt that they
0: they kind of figured it out now. And look, the margin of error in the NFL is tiny; it's minuscule. If that kick goes in, we're talking about the, like like the world is ending. You know, like everything would be upside down if that was the case, right? Everything would be down margin of error is just razor thin in the nfl you'll take a win how you can get it but it feels different i mean there were a a couple of slant passes a couple of you know screen type sling it outside passes a couple of deep passes to amari cooper yeah look when 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 P.J. Walker was letting it rip to Cooper, there were a couple of nice throws there. Now, he also also threw two interceptions and only had a QBR of 24.1. I mean, he threw for under 200 yards on 18 to
1: 34, not a good percentage. That's less than 50%. But look, same with Brock Purdy. (laughs) He threw for 125 yards. So let's compare Purdy had a touchdown and an interception. He didn't play fantastic. This, they
0: said this is the first time that a healthy Brock Purdy has lost a game in the NFL, courtesy of the Cleveland Browns. That's pretty neat. You know, there were a lot of 49er fans in the crowd, by the way, a lot. I'm not talking as many Cubs fans were for there for Game Seven in Cleveland that you should have never sold those tickets to. Keep them out. If you hold those tickets, they don't take over your stadium. And if they don't take over Progressive Field, maybe we win a championship. Home field advantage.
1: It was more like, you know, it certainly didn't seem like that to me. But yeah,
0: there were a lot of Forty Nine er fans in there, and it was nice that they didn't get to come into our house and
1: celebrate. That's so rare, so rare. You know, for how many years Cleveland has just been a place
0: where you go dominate. Oh, Steeler fans, Raven fans, and even Cincy
1: fans—they think they own the joint. You know, it's a three and two team. Three and two. Yeah, Mari Cooper quietly. I mean, he had over 100 yards receiving.
0: David Bell, by the way. Big shout out to David Bell. That was a fourth and four in the fourth quarter. Nice. I mean, a zip, a laser throw from P.J. Walker to get it to David Bell. David Bell caught it for the first down. He you know, hasn't really been very active. We got quite a few players that aren't very active. Donovan Peoples Jones only got targeted once. Harrison Bryant once, Jordan Akins got two. Goodwin two, Bell three, Ford two, Elijah Moore seven, and Joku four, Hunt three, Cooper eight. Yeah, in the beginning I mean it was like Ayuk, the receiver on the 49ers was looking good. McCaffrey was looking good. But I mean, nobody really got going. You know that Christian McCaffrey touchdown. I ended up accidentally getting a pretty cool video of that. Go to the Instagram channel for the New American Media, and I think I posted it on the Facebook group for the New American uh, for the Unhappy Hour. I meant um, it was a nice little shovel pass and it kind of weaved in and bopped out to score a touchdown there. That was a that was a really good team that we beat. I'm very impressed when it counted, we got it done and we just kind of clawed
1: back and clawed back and, you know, San Francisco put their points on the board. And all
0: we, we were down four. all we could muster was a field goal. That meant we had to get it back into the defense's hands and we had to force a stop. And we did, we got the ball back and we were able to, to kind of go down and take the lead trailing by 1 and taking the 2-point lead to 19. Oh, at the end there it got a little dicey. I mean, they definitely 49ers. They got it close. They they took it down there. Ready to seal it up. We had a chance to lose that game. We really you know, it's a bend don't break mentality with the defense. Uh, but they bent right there. And I
1: it got Dicey. It got concerning there. Without a doubt.
0: But we were able to survive. Just the difference between two and three versus three and two. Night
1: and day. Night and day difference. So vastly different. It's not even... I mean... Even with the injuries,
0: the sky would be falling in Cleveland right now if, if, if we if we weren't able to get that win. And that might not be accurate. You might just be looking and go, hey, the, the 49ers, they're a 6-0 team, and we're banged up. We got all these injuries. But how nice is it that we get to say something different and just turn the narrative, turn the story into, hey, you know what? We have an elite, perhaps historically fantastic defense that we could ride to a Super Bowl championship. We really do. So now whether it's P.J.
1: Walker or whether it's our other backup quarterback with all the initials his name or Deshaun Watson.
0: You know, I saw that maybe Deshaun Watson would be coming back as early as next week. I don't know. But if we can just get somebody to get us a couple of points, a couple of touchdowns, you know, look, 19 points was enough to
1: get it done. Somehow, some way. Yeah, everybody in our division has at least two losses. This is anybody's division.
0: Baltimore has the extra win there at 4-2. Four, four and two. The Bengals have been a juggernaut as of late. They're three and three. and We're better than them. We're three and two sitting there with the Steelers. It's so weird to think of the Jets being a three-win team at this point. After Aaron Rodgers went down, you just expect that they would be, you know, one and five. The Look at the Patriots at the bottom of the division. You know, we were talking. Hey, at what point do we have to bring in a head coach that has a pedigree, that has some sort of uh, experience winning playoff games and winning championships? You know, the Sean Payton experiment, we'll see how that goes in Colorado. It doesn't appear to be going that well in Denver. But legacy is such a weird thing. Just a couple years after Tom Brady and you're looking at Bill Belichick differently and it's like, huh. You want a return to home story. You want you want to be a hometown legend. Not that Bill's hometown is Cleveland, but he you know he started his career off in Cleveland as a head coach in the mid '90s. To the snake bitten franchise to come in and win a title like that, you, I mean, you want your name at the top of Mount Rushmore. That's how you do it. You do legendary stuff
1: if you want to become a legend. Big time players make big time plays in big time games.
0: But yeah we're we're one missed kick away from maybe having that conversation about our, the head coach injuries
1: and all but luckily that's not our lot in life that's not what's happening right now 49ers that was their first loss on the season look at that Detroit
0: Lions are 5 and 1 Eagles are 5 and 1 Baker didn't have a great game yesterday. They lost. They dropped to three and two. Yeah, if you look around, there's a lot of three-win teams
1: in the AFC right now, including the Raiders. Raiders, Colts, Texans are three and three. We're going to find out a lot. We're going to find out a lot about who this Cleveland Browns team is coming up. Three and two. You know, it's too bad we couldn't see Cedric Tillman. I was really hoping we could see him on the
0: field doing some stuff. You know, he's been out, but who do we have next? So this weekend, we're going to get the Colts. We're going to go
1: at the Colts. That's a three-win Colts team. And they got their running back back now. Jonathan Taylor, and the Seahawks, Cardinals,
0: Ravens, Steelers, Broncos, Rams, Jaguars, Bears, Texans, Jets, Bengals.
1: How many of these games can we win? I know we we like to do this thing where you look at the remaining schedule
0: and you try to determine how how many wins could this turn into for us I'm not I'm not really there yet but I do see some names of some teams that I don't expect to be fantastic by the time this all shakes out whatever that means I mean but
1: you know there are some some winnable games in there
0: and who knows if we if if we had a better um a better game plan. Is it that Dorian Thompson-Robinson was just so unprepared to play? Is it that he's not any good? Or is it that the play calls were, were trash? Yeah, you know, let's chuck it up 40 yards downfield all the time. P.J. Walker, I mean, he had two interceptions, but he, he got us the points that we needed when it counted. Kept those drives going. Far from perfect. Far from perfect. But it's a win. It felt good. That defense is something else. You could just feel it, and you could see how the 49ers were responding to it. It was definitely rattling them. It was definitely getting to them, stifling, stymieing their attempts. It was was a huge win, a huge win for the city. Even afterward, I mean, people were everywhere. I know that's normally the case. Of course, there's 80,000 in your stadium. I get it. But it was just like hey, the, the energy's still going. Like it was nice to just go out and get some food and <clears throat> bebop in in and out of a couple different places and just feel the
1: energy. The energy after a loss is just sad. It's it's not. That's not what we do this for. It was just big for the city, and you know, I I, I do constantly. You know I, I I think back
0: to the whole Baker Mayfield situation and what happened and what went right, what went wrong. You know and I think about it, and i I one of the unexpected or um maybe underappreciated, unheralded components to that whole situation, how that played out. I think it was that during our playoff season. When, look, when we went into Pittsburgh and beat them and retired Big Ben in his house, we retired Heinz Field in his house. Like that the Browns ended that. Big Ben didn't play again, and Heinz Field was done. They changed their name. I don't even know what they're calling now. But I just I just I just think back, it was that year that they they were playing the games, but they weren't having fans. They were having a very select number of fans. And just that whole time the stands were empty or mostly empty. And Cleveland was like, the fans were just robbed of that opportunity to, it was that? a nine win team, a 10 win team. I can't remember how many wins we had exactly. I just wonder how things could have been different if, if 80,000 people were watching us win over and over versus, yeah, you watched it at home, but it's different than being there live. It's different than the energy
1: that you give them and they give it back. And it's just this, it's a powerful battery system after all
0: the browns have taken from us all of these years you got to recharge the battery you can't just take 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 you got to refill so i just i just wonder how things would have been a little different if you know instead of so many fans being there in person to watch i don't know three or four bakers terrible games with a torn labrum and all that jazz versus people watched nine or ten wins and took us to the playoffs and, and did well. This this defense is capable of winning a Super Bowl. If we can get competent play at the quarterback position. We have two running backs that can play. And we're down da- look, we're down. We're down Jack Conklin. We're down Joel Batonio. That's not ideal. We're dipping into our bench, we're dipping into our reserves, our backups. That's why you have 53 on a roster. You have to anticipate that this is going to happen a little bit. So good on them. Good on, um, you know, the Browns offensive line coach and the Browns organization to have people ready to go to step in and fill in signing Kareem hunt back. When, when Nick Chubb went down, I, I enjoy having hunt back. He played, you know, it's almost like he is the heartbeat of that team. You could feel it with the twists and the pushing forward and, extending these runs and dragging people with him. It's just like watching the ultimate warrior, or somebody in wrestling and they just start shaking and the whole crowd gets fired up by it. And, you know, we've, we've had to, we've had to, the Cleveland Browns organization needed to make some on the fly decisions with the roster, with all of these injuries. And you got to give them credit. They saw what, what happened with DTR and we went out and got somebody else and said, Hey man, we need, we need something better than that can you do better than that? And he, and he, you know, two interceptions, not good, but he did enough to get the win. Could DTR have done that? I don't know. I don't think he was necessarily put in the best position to do that. And let's face it. The Ravens played a great game. We got beat by a better team, uh, you know, two weeks ago, our last game. And their defense is tough. Their defense has always been tough. I, you know, I even had to give credit to Lamar Jackson. He, he, He played one of the better games I've ever seen him play against us, pinpoint passes. And then I think he ran for two touchdowns as well, one or two. So look, the story of this season, it's, it's starting to take shape. How the front office has had to navigate very significant injury situations is going to determine and dictate our final standing, our final record, of course after this win against the previously undefeated 49ers, huge, huge. Man, it was so close to not being that way. But I just want to stay positive.
1: I want to enjoy this. NFL is so similar, so much parity.
0: Some of these teams are so similar in, in talent. You make a 53-man roster, you can play. Any of these guys can play. Story of the Cleveland Browns 2023 is also going to be, you know, let's face it about the health of Deshaun Watson. Like if we could get him back and get his arm right so that we could win, so that we could go out there and win some games with him. What a boost that would be to this team right now. Think back to how well he played against the Titans. We've had, you know, eh, questionable play at quarterback for the past two weeks. Wouldn't it be nice if that could solidify, but Maybe he doesn't come back this whole season. That injury, he was cleared, but then he couldn't play, and then he wouldn't play, or whatever the case is. We're still trying to understand exactly what's going on. For a minute, it seemed like Stefanski was throwing his quarterback under the bus. I'm like, I've seen this movie before. I have seen this before. It's exactly what he did to Baker Mayfield. Made him the scapegoat. Just to try to squeeze a couple extra years out of your contract before you got canned. Blame it on the quarterback. That'll buy you a couple years of reset, won't it? I digress. The story of the 2023 Cleveland Browns is going to be about a a juggernaut of a defense. We got 5 games in yeah, 5 games in now. Uh,
1: roughly a third of the season. We kind of know who they are. And they're nasty. If we could if we could shut down the 49ers like that. Who who's
0: already envisioning a Cleveland Browns, Miami Dolphins AFC Championship game? The juggernaut offense versus the juggernaut defense. The immovable object meets the unstoppable force. I, I don't care who we play as long as we win the Super Bowl. I I don't care who we play. But wouldn't that be interesting to just kind of
1: have that type of a dichotomy. I think it's neat. I think it's cool that we have a chance. I think it's cool that we're fighting. We're scrappy. And we still have not tapped the full potential of what this team is capable of. We just haven't. You just
0: watch and it's like we're close on a lot of plays. We're, you see glimpses. You know, the, the, running a crossing route, running a, a slant, a quick slant, bang, bam. Zipping it to Amari Cooper, getting open. And then that that juke move, if he had just a little more speed, he could have taken that for the full touchdown. Because man, he got him with the hips. Amari Cooper had it. Got that long pass. Kind of faked like I'm going this way. And he did a did like the hip just spun him around. And on the sidelines, it's great catch from Cooper. I mean, is Cooper the number one receiver you were hoping for? Or is he, I mean, in some ways, it's exactly what we need. He's, he's consistent. He's reliable. He's steady. He quietly gets you 108 yards. It could have been a touchdown on one. I mean, like, he's solidifying that wide receiver space. Remember how excited we were with Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry. It just never worked here. It just never worked. Glimpses here and there. I mean, a lot of times it seemed like Rashad Rashad Higgins was the number one receiver on the team. It was almost like he knew the timing to be in the right spot at the right time, and Baker knew to get it to him. It didn't mean he was more talented than Landry or Beckham, but it was like he was trusted more than them. We had talent around. It it didn't click. They couldn't make it click. So even with this Browns team, it's not like we've ever seen it fully click on offense. My God, it's clicking on defense. That is more than half the game. They they say that, you know, good defense will beat good offense any day. Of the Or just, you know, in general, good defense will beat good offense.
1: In baseball, they would say uh, good pitching will beat good hitting. And that just puts us in a position where we – have the opportunity to win the division.
0: Ravens beat us. We got it. We got some work to do there. It's, I mean, look, it's just, it's a, it's a tough division. But so what? To be the champs, you got to beat the champs. And people wanted to crown the 49ers already. No crowning today. There's no crowning in football. There's no crying in baseball. There's no crowning in football. So, you know, I'm going to give – I mentioned some game balls, but, like, let me uh, – Orosu Koromoro, Joker, J-O-K. He was flying around yesterday. Oronkpo, Oronk – I'm not even saying these guys' names right. I got to Learn. I got to learn all of these um, Browns players' names. But the defensive line, I mean, they were active. They were mixing it up, making things happen. I saw a lot of spin plays. So, yeah, Miles Garrett did not get his sack. But you don't need it. There's a lot of pressure. There was that one uh, Brock Purdy interception. Miles Garrett came off the corner, worked his way around, reached out his arm. I, man, I, I watched it several times. It looks like he might have got the wrist or the ball and changed the the trajectory there, which led to an interception directly. That's huge, no matter who you are. Not everything, you know, uh, Miles Garrett has been accused of Padding the stat sheet and maybe only caring about sacks. Maybe some of that is fair. Maybe some of that is unfair. Maybe the, the actual answer could be found somewhere in between. Because sacks are always going to be one of those dynamic, those, those n- numbers you look at game to game, comparing them to the season leaders, if you will and just it's a measuring stick but it doesn't tell the whole story it's a snapshot of a movie the movies 90 minutes long you get a snapshot a frozen frame 1 second out of 90 minutes that have 60 seconds per minute but there's a lot that's going on that isn't going to show up on the stat sheet just the feel of the game, that that San Francisco was scared of that defense. I felt it the whole game, after the first quarter, after spotting them seven points, ten points. You could feel that. It's not a score sheet thing, but you could feel it. I guess you can look at, like, the lack of production. The the Browns had double the offense. I I don't know how it eventually shook team stats. Okay. I mean, it evened a little bit. 215 total yards. On offense versus Cleveland's three thirty-four. At one point, the Browns were doubling them up. They got it. They got a few extra, you know, especially later in the game, trying to when we were in our prevent mode. I mean, that's enough to win, except for those two damn turnovers. But when you get pressure and you force them into bad decisions, that doesn't show up in the stat sheet. But man, it shows up at the end of the game. Not everything can be counted in sacks or touchdowns or QBR, because the QBR was not fantastic for Pete Walker, but he got it done, dog. got it done. It wasn't just that Moody missed his kick. It was that special teams put the pressure on. Denzel Ward got in there. I don't know how he missed that. But he doesn't have to touch the ball to impact the play, and it went wide right. We'll take it. That wasn't an unforced error. That was something we put pressure on. And when you're getting pressured, you, that's, things happen. That's why you do it. So, you know, game ball to special teams. Game ball to Denzel Ward. Game ball to the defense. Coach Stefanski, look, you you, you called a better game. It felt like a more reasonable game plan than what you threw DTR to the Wolves two, two weeks ago. Oh, it felt way better than that. So maybe he got better as a coach. Maybe he leveled up. I mean, maybe DTR is trash. I'm I'm not going to say that. I can't judge that off of one. It didn't look good. (laughs) Looked like a weak, unprepared, noodle-armed, fourth-string backup quarterback. But look, that was the guy that the the Browns felt so strongly enough, they traded Josh Dobbs, got a fifth-round pickback for him. Josh
1: Dobbs, is, you know, he's played okay. He's been solid, at least. But yeah, game balls to a lot of people. Um,
0: yeah, another one to to Cooper. Definitely, definitely the both running backs. Watching, watching Ford, Ford Jerome Ford really kind of took over late in the game, third fourth quarter. Kareem Hunt was dragging us, p- pushing us and plowing the game forward in the first half or so. Not, not quite the one two punch of having Chubb back there, but. You know, game ball to them. They did well. Game ball to the offensive line. Missing how many players on there the injuries and, you know, Conklin out, Betonio missed his first game ever? Is his first game ever? You know, th- those are all pro offensive linemen. We were able to put stop gap measures in place to get their backups in there, and then they performed well enough to win. It's not like the 49ers didn't get their their fair share of pressure in there, Bosa getting a sack, and you're going to have that. It's like they used to say with Michael Jordan. It's like, well, you know, let him get his 30. We just got to stop the other guys. Yeah, the defense, they bent, but they didn't break. They were able to get it done when it counted. So really exciting game yesterday. Just congratulations to everybody in Cleveland that got to celebrate another win. We're 3-1 and one at home this year. Three and one at home. I mean, there have been seasons we haven't won a single game at home, including our winless season. Perfect winless season. Good grief. But yeah, anyway, so next week we're going to turn our focus to Indianapolis as the Browns are going to take on the Colts, two three win teams trying to separate themselves in the AFC. You yeah. know, are we competing for a divisional championship? Yes, both us and the Colts will be. And also, we're in direct competition for that wild card. So it's going to be a huge game with huge repercussions. Um, it's, it's a theoretically winnable game. I think a lot of people went into yesterday uh, against the 49ers, kind of writing it off. It's like, ah. And I, I got to admit, I was, I was trying to be really even keel and not have super high expectations. Yeah, I didn't think that would be great for my mental health <laughs> to go in and expect great things with so many injuries against such a great team. Uh, But I I, I did, I tried to stay as positive as possible. And look, we did it. It's just why not keep a positive mental attitude while we can for this team? I don't know. It doesn't take anything. It doesn't take energy to, to try to look for positives instead of only relying on negatives. And I will be the first person to admit, I get wrapped up in the negatives and the complaining and the armchair quarterbacking and the second-guessing, the Monday morning quarterback. All of us, we're we're the smartest people in the room. If we were coaching, we would have done that. No way we would have done that. It's like, yeah, some of that's pretty unfair. But it's also fun. Screw it. (laughs) Like We are football connoisseurs. We've watched hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of games. We know the game as well as anybody else. No, maybe not exactly as well as Bill Belichick, who studies film for 13 hours a day. But in another regard, who cares? We all know how to play football. We all know how to coach it. Yeah, the the, the Monday morning second-guessing, it's just not existent. It's non-existent after a win. And it's smart. It's smart to, you know, the, we're going to look at the game film and we're going to see the David Njoku touchdown that got taken off the board with the Wyatt Teller holding call. That that could have, it wouldn't have been this close. It wouldn't have needed to be this close. We would have had an extra seven points. That would be 26 to 17. And I've said it, there, the vibe in the stadium, something that might not have come across on TV, although maybe it
1: did, I don't. I don't think it could have come across Exactly accurately um
0: as I felt it to be in you know watching it live. The, the, the officiating was strange. It was just confusing to the point where a penalty was called on the Browns and we marched it back 10 or 15 yards. Then on the Jumbotron they show it, it's clearly a penalty on the 49ers. Then they huddled up and said, oh, I guess we're going to walk it. They moved it back 30 yards, what, 20 or 30 yards from, oh, sorry, we took it the wrong way. How did you get the play exactly the opposite of what it actually was? There was a feeling in the crowd that the refs were trying to control the game, that they were trying to manufacture a 49er victory where we were beating them in all aspects of the game. It just, with all of the gambling apps, with all of the money that's being spread, you know, that's been going on in Ohio for a long time. And in Kentucky, I just got these apps. I, I haven't signed up for them yet, but it's like, oh, place a $5 bet. We'll give you $200 free. It's like, yeah, well, if it's 200 free bucks, maybe I will dabble. It's like the seventh grade drug dealer. It's like, hey, take a hit. First one's on me. I'll get you nice and high. Just come back to me when you want, when you want some more. You get them hooked, you know, so I'm not a fan of gambling in general and the degenerate culture of sports gambling. Although, I'm, you know, I do play fantasy football and I enjoy that back and forth and that's gambling and it's, you try to set a roster, you try to make some trades, you try to pick up good players and draft good players, but
1: it's, it's a lot of luck.
0: People think there's a rhyme and a reason to beating these sports apps. Yeah, I'll go on DraftKings and I'll make my mortgage. You know, turns out you could gamble your mortgage away and be in the doghouse and in the poorhouse. Every outhouse farm, what is it? Every outhouse farmhouse henhouse and from the fugitive Tommy Lee Jones. I forget what that line is. Anyway, I'm trying to look from in every house. But but there is a sense that's growing. I'm, I'm I'm feeling it in the unhappy hour sports show group. I'm fearing. I'm I'm feeling it and hearing it on Twitter X, I'm seeing it in person. The ability of referees to jury rig games, it feels very suspect right now. There were a lot of things where it felt like the the referees were going out of their way to keep the Browns from keeping momentum, giving the 49ers some extra chances. But I mean, at the end of it all, there were maybe a couple of questionable calls on both sides at the end it did kind of balance out but it was really weird in that second half a lot of strange confusing penalties so that's just something to keep an eye on i i'm predicting that there's going to be a massive rico investigation with these referees we saw tim donahue with the nba he was point shaving trying to keep you know so vegas if it's a 4 point spread and i you know we got to keep it close or Um, It's been insinuated the toughest game that you could ever try to win in the NBA is a a closeout game in the playoffs. They want them all to go go seven. It's it's almost like it's not about the competition. It's about the entertainment value and the advertising revenue. If you have a four-game series, you can only advertise Pepsi and Toyota trucks four games versus seven. Of course you'll make more money if you have more product. So some of that is obvious, but the the more that gets, the more infiltration that gets into the game, the less fun it is to participate and to care. Because if it is all rigged, then then why are we even watching? Why are we participating in this? So they, they, I, I'm 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 encouraging the NFL to get its act together and really be careful about this. Maybe they've always been rigging games, and that's that that accusation has been made for a long time. And the NFL did just come out and change. Just a couple of weeks ago, they changed their betting policy. They said if a player is, what was it? They doubled the the suspension time if a player's caught betting on their own team. You know, that was the big Pete Rose thing. It's like, well, he bet, but he didn't bet against his team. What's wrong with betting on your team to win? Michael Jordan did it all the time, allegedly. That guy, you talk about degenerate gambler, look him up. That may or may not have played a role in his in his father's untimely demise and his subsequent banning from the league. Or, you know, he just quit at his apex to go play some baseball with the White Sox, sure. But it's just it it's a it's a finger on the pulse thing. I, I get a sense that there's a simmering story that may come up. But if this is nationwide and all these gambling apps are doing whatever they can to get you hooked and extract as much money from you as possible, because look, they don't build those fancy hotels in Vegas off of winners. They just don't. Just keep your eye on on the referees. And they say in football, you could call a penalty on every play if you wanted to. So it really just comes down to what are the plays that matter? on the David Njoku touchdown that was taken off the board, it was Wyatt Teller going, he was on the opposite side. His holding call, air quote holding call, which maybe he may or may not have actually deserved, it didn't really even impact the play.
1: So what are we doing? Why did that have to take seven points off the board in a game where there were only a handful of touchdowns? Everyone is crucial. Just
0: something to keep an eye on. Another game ball to David Njoku. You know, while we're talking about it, he had a touchdown taken off the board. It would have been nice if he got that. You know, the guy burned his face off. And he's still playing. He's, he's toughing it out. That, that can't be pleasant. You know, maybe you know, two weeks ago was, was more difficult.
1: But kudos to him. That's just, that's just a toughness right there. Yeah, Denzel Ward right
0: there. I'm looking at this screenshot right as that kick was missed. I mean, he was all up in that backfield. Good, good for him. Good, great team win. This wasn't the story of one running back going bonkers. It wasn't the story of one defensive back getting two interceptions and returned him for seven points and took you to the five-yard line, leading to another touchdown. This really wasn't a game that you could look at three or four players and go. "It's We won because of them. We won because of everything. The fans were engaged. The coaching was a vast improvement over how they threw DTR to the wolves against the the, the Ravens defense and uh, just crushing it. You know, not perfect. I haven't seen a perfect defense in the NFL ever, but five games in, it's the least amount of yards given up in 50 years. That's that's special. That's enough to win a title. So, this was a team effort across the board, special teams. We we did enough to get it done. And it, it took every last player with every last play to make it happen. So incredibly excited, fantastic performance from the Browns. G- Given the, the fans, something to be happy about, something to be proud of, something to be content with. And it's just fantastic. Just such a fan. So, Colts are coming up and uh, leave your comments, leave your thoughts, subscribe in all the places, the podcast, the, just search the unhappy hour sports show everywhere on Spotify is the podcast and youtube.com slash the unhappy hour. And, you know, find us, follow us and engage on Facebook. It's the unhappy hour sports show, a support group, private group, join the group. We talk all week long and on Twitter X, we are at the unhappy hour underscore. So, whew. Great game. Great win. Congratulations, Browns. You earned it. You deserve this. Enjoy it. And um, yeah, hopefully we can keep it going next week. Hopefully we can keep it on track against the Colts. There's, there, there are no easy games in the NFL. So let's see if we can keep leveling up and keep consistent on defense and keep improving on special teams because if you get the core components down, you can go far in this league. And when your defense is lights out, when it's automatic, you got a shot in every game, even with subpar quarterback play, you can still survive it and win. Bravo. Good job, Browns. All right. I'm signing out.
1: I will talk to you later. I appreciate you. I love you. We'll be back soon. Take care. Peace.